American makers of plowshares could, with time and as required, make swords as well. But we can no longer risk emergency improvisation of national defense. We have been compelled to create a permanent armaments industry of vast proportions. Added to this, three and a half million men and women are directly engaged in the defense establishment. Now this conjunction of an immense military establishment and a large arms industry is new in the American experience. The total influence, economic, political, even spiritual, is felt in every city, every state house, every office of the federal government. We recognize the imperative need for this development, yet we must not fail to comprehend its grave implications. Our toil, resources and livelihood are all involved. So is the very structure of our society. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. can destroy for you because on discussing your truth we seek out and aim to destroy corruption and that is corruption on any level local federal international because you deserve somebody to fight for you let alone fighting for yourself I'm your host Ian Hamilton Trottier. This is Winwood Radio. And I'm here every Wednesday to deliver you at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard a discussion of truth. Let's continue with what Dwight was saying to the American public there. compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods and goals, so that security and liberty may prosper together. June 4th, 1963, John F. Kennedy signed Executive Order 11110 which called for the issuance of over $4 billion in U.S. notes, returning the United States government the power to issue currency without going through 
the Federal Reserve Act of 1913 installed by Woodrow Wilson. What's at stake there? The connection? The military-industrial complex. A few months later, John was assassinated. Executive Order 1110 remains in effect today in 2019. Before John F. Kennedy issued this warning to the American people. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. No expenditure is questioned, no secret is revealed. That is why the Athenian lawmaker Solon decreed it a crime for any citizen to shrink from controversy. I am asking your help in the tremendous task of informing and alerting the American people, confident that with your help, man will be what he was born to be, free and independent. What will you do for freedom? Do you take your freedom for granted? Do you follow those footsteps of those that came before you that provide you with your freedom? And I'm speaking to Americans, also Canadians. The majority of the English-speaking world. Because the United States Constitution, which I believe was written, what, 1783? The 1776 Declaration of Independence paved the way for it. But many centuries prior to that was the Magna Carta. Do you take heed to the words of Dwight Eisenhower? Do you take notice of the wisdom given to you by John Kennedy? Or are you simply living 
day to day and taking some of these precious freedoms and liberties and justices for granted? Is it possible? Can you envision, can you step for a moment and envision a day where this entire world would be without that banner? The star-spangled banner, dead, gone. The Union Jack, dead, gone. Because those that aim to suppress your freedoms, and again, I'm speaking to the English-speaking world, because it is from that language people walked and spoke that gave those freedoms. So if you have children, if you have loved ones that will remain walking this planet once you have met your final day, are you fighting to make sure that they, they don't succumb to a world of tyranny? We have today with us a very special guest that has taken a lot of fire. But again, on Discussion to Truth, I aim to give anyone a platform to talk about How they battle with controversy. How they've battled with being their rights being infringed upon. Last week, James Tracy, a former tenured professor of communications at Florida Atlantic University, joined the program. He opposed the 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 the, 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 the media narrative on Sandy Hook. He questioned it. He'd gotten his PhD in media theory. He lost his tenure. He lost his employment at FAU for taking that side. Prior to that, we had on Dr. Willie Soon of the Harvard Smithsonian to talk about his views on climate change. We had uh, Costa Rican Otto von Feigenblatt to join us about his thoughts on the crisis in Venezuela. And prior to that, we had on five-time Emmy Award-winning author and producer John Barber to talk about his notion back early back in the late 70s, early 80s, on creating reality TV. He's considered the pioneer father of. And we had Tanya Rashid join us, Columbia Masters. She produces for PBS NewsHour. Covering all important subjects that don't get a lot of play in mass media. In, in main mainstay media, Oxford University lecturer Dr. Young-Hae Chi will be joining us next week. He lectures in Korean. And his book is titled Alien Visitations and the End of Humanity. He claims that an extraterrestrial species is indeed, and this is an Oxford University lecturer. I'm not talking about uh, your local high school teacher here. He claims that an extraterrestrial species, though it could be, 
is inhabiting the planet and actively crossbreeding in an attempt to create a hybrid species worthy of counteracting the coming destruction. An alteration of the planet set forth by climate change. IanTrottier.com, I-A-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-E-R, as all my past guests, heading into July, we will host the author of The Supreme Court and the Betrayal of America, New York Times bestselling author Tom Harden. And today, joining Windward Radio, an author of 20 books, a public speaker based in the Isle of Wight in England, he's lectured in over 25 countries. He's a former BBC employee. He's known to lecture for up to 10 hours straight. He's considered a global leader in a movement known as New Age Conspiracism. Conspiracism. David Icke will be joining the program momentarily. But again, let me ask you, are you concerned at all? With things like Agenda 21. Are you concerned at all? With tyranny. What would be your final straw? Before you began to raise your voice and speak out. I will be right back. With David Icke. You're turned in to Discussion of Truth. With the intratier. The way I write is like, so it comes from like a very emotional place. And um, it's, it's not a lot of uh, overthinking and uh, over analysis. Like, it, it, as often as possible, I try to let the words emerge, you know, as they emerge. And I hope to not have to change them and rework them and rewrite them and rethink them and reshape them and obsess over them. Mm -hmm. It's one of the areas where I feel like I can let go, partly because it's like this natural expression and partly because lyrics are hard and second verses are really hard. And if one comes naturally, that's great. That's, that's a really good sign. And, um, but again, it's like, it comes from a very emotional place and sometimes it's a little cryptic and sometimes, you know, I ask myself, what does this mean? What is this about? Like, uh, how much of this is me? How much of this is my imagination? And or just the place that you're at in life. The place I'm yeah. at, yeah. And I know that when I look back on the first album, I hear very much like the threads of the things that were going on around me. Cool. And, and, and I think I'll hear that now on this album when I can bring myself to listen to it again. Yeah. Um, um, guys, yeah. just uh, you guys have been quoted to say, without technology, there might be no tan lines. Hmm. Mm. Uh, that really that really sparked something when I when I heard that. Searching, seek and destroy. Searching, seek and destroy. That's exactly right. We aim to seek out and destroy once again corruption on any level that exists. That is our human right. Today we are joined by a fairly well-known individual out of the United Kingdom. In the alternative news angle, we welcome David Icke to Winwood Radio. David, 
Thank you for staying up. I know it's late in the UK. How are you today? I'm good, Ian. Um, yes, it's um, quarter past ten in the evening. It's not too bad. Okay. Um, so fantastic. You're in the Isle of Wight. Tell us a little bit. Tell them. Tell us a little bit about uh, the Isle of Wight. What? Where is it? What is it? What's it like? Uh, well, it's uh, an island about four miles off the coast of uh, of England. It's on the south coast. It looks out across uh, Portsmouth, a famous uh, naval centre over the years in uh, Britain. Though it's uh, it's gone down at hill a lot um, uh, in uh, recent times, and it's about thirteen miles by twenty three, something like that, and. Uh, I've lived here since 1982, and uh, I've been in love with the place since I was a kid. Came in on holiday um, back in the 1950s for the first time, and uh, fell in love with the place. And I've been uh, living here a long time now. What did you, what did you like the most about it? What what drew you to it? Well, I was um, uh, as a kid. In fact, still now was a, a, a you know I, I used to love to watch steam trains, uh, uh, you know, on the railways because. Uh, I was born in 1952, and uh, steam trains were uh, the, still the norm when I was a kid, and I, I loved them. And uh, and when I came to the Isle of Wight on holiday, uh, it was like Thomas the Tank Engine. It was uh, an extraordinary place. There was uh, railways all across the the island, and most of them have gone now. And um, they had little engines that always all looked the same. They were all named after little after places on the island, and it was just like Thomas the Tank Engine in real life. So I felt I fell in love with the place from from that point of view. But then I fell in love with its beauty and uh, its seascapes, and it's uh, it's a lovely place to live. And what is white? What what's it named after? What is that? Is it well, name? yeah, it, it's white. W i g h t. Um, which um, was actually a question on who wants to be a millionaire in Britain some years ago. What is a white? And it, it, it's, uh, in effect, it's a, an interdimensional entity, if you like, um, like, a, like a ghostly figure. Uh, and um, uh, so that's what the island was named after. And it's a, it's a place, you know, that there, there is a whole, it's not a very big place, but there's a stream of books that have been written, ghost books been written about the Isle of Wight and all the ghosts and uh, legends of the place. Uh, it was occupied by the Romans um, when they invaded Britain uh, quite a little time ago now. So it's got a hell of a history and um, a, a, a very interesting past. Now, I, I think Windsor Castle is famous for having uh, encounters with ghosts. Have you heard of or in, uh, yourself uh, had any encounter with uh with with an extra uh, outside dimension like a ghost or uh, not re not really what you'd call a ghost but um i i've um i've been into places where th there was obviously extremely uh malevolent um energies there uh, which uh, you know a lot of people feel when you go into an old place where there's been a lot of um potential for very negative things happening you can you can feel you can feel it in the vibe in the atmosphere uh, very clearly. In fact, the, the Isle of Wight's got a very um, royal um, history. We Just down the road from me, about three or four miles, it's a place called Osborne House, which is where Queen Victoria spent most of her time. When her husband died, uh, the uh, Prince Albert, she basically went into um, 
almost lifelong mourning and she did much much of it here on the Isle of Wight and the Isle of Wight in those days was um, just basically fishing and farming and then um, when she moved here and built a palace which is still there it's a tourist attraction now um, in the uh, 19th century suddenly all the rich and famous people of London and such like all, all want, uh, wanted holiday homes um, on the Isle of Wight so they could uh, holiday where the Queen was and uh, so most of the uh, Isle of Wight was built very quickly in Victorian times. That's why the, the buildings of the Isle of Wight are dominated by Victorian buildings and Georgian buildings. And, uh, you know, they're all into flats now. And, uh, and, uh, but th they were holiday homes for the rich and famous once upon a time. So um, it's got a very royal background. Not that I'm into royalty, by the way. I think it's a ridiculous uh, institution. Good. I, 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 we do two over here in the U.S. <laughs> I see. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. <laughs> we we are um we are um still in 2019 deciding who the head of state of Britain and the Commonwealth is by who had sex with who in what order. You know, it's ridiculous. What do you mean? <laughs> right. You know, uh, right. uh, yeah, but, uh, exactly. you know, they believe in democracy, obviously. So okay, so David, uh, you. Why did you leave the BBC? This goes back well, a number of years, well, of course. Yeah, a long, a long time ago now. Um, I, I left the BBC. What, what was that in the, um, in uh, what, 19, 1990s sometime? Are you around. familiar with Tony Gosling, by the way? Tony? Yeah. Tony Gosling? Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know Tony, yeah. Okay. okay. I, yep. I left the BBC... Um, basically, I, I got sick of it, and, and my life was moving into another direction. Uh, where um, I, uh, I, I basically ended up uh, going, and um, the BBC is uh, it's it's uh, it's a very strange organisation, and um, it's very self-centric and looks in on itself and takes itself terribly bloody seriously, and uh, and it wasn't a place that I enjoyed working really, and in, in terms of its news, it's an incredibly biased uh, organisation. Um, which takes uh, positions and supports them by the people it invites on its programs and the ones it won't invite on its programs to skew the to skew the um, the angle that it covers these uh, various uh, stories and world events. So it wasn't a place I really enjoyed working at. Glad to go. Uh -huh. and, and 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 you you you, you so you, you so you left the BBC. Was it? That, that they were uh, uh, controlling you, the type of stories you could be doing, or you just felt well, uncomfortable with, with the organization? Well, the, 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 the thing was that um, during the 1980s, I became a national spokesman for the British Green Party, and a few other political parties took exception to the fact that I was working at the BBC while being a national spokesman for the British Green Party. So there was a lot of pressure on the BBC to... To, to move me out to, um, to uh, you know, to the demands of these other political parties. Uh, but I was very, very glad to go. I, I'd had enough by then. Okay, so let's get into a little bit of um, this New Age conspiracism. As an American, anybody... Well, new, age, really new, age, new Age conspiracism. Yeah. First of all... Yeah. Um, me and New Age uh, have no uh, have no connection whatsoever. Um, this is the usual labelling that you get all the time. So 
um, David Icke, New Age conspiracy theorist. Uh, right. So that's put, that's put him in a compartment. That's sorted him out. Now, who are you? Let us put you in a compartment. Right. And so it goes on. Um, I'm just a journalist who does not have an editor telling me what I can and cannot research and what conclusions I can and cannot come to. And uh, that is an, an amazing freedom because it, what it means is you can go where the information takes you no matter where it takes you. And, um, and uh, so that's basically what I do. I love and, it. And, yeah. and I, I'm, not, I'm not someone who comes from a political persuasion or a belief persuasion. I, I, I let the information be my guide. Does it stand up? Does it justify itself? And I don't care if it seems to be far out to people. I care about whether the information is valid or not. And it takes you into some very interesting areas. I have a very interesting life because of it. Yeah, I mean, people that people that question, it seems like those that are questioning authority are quickly, as you say, uh, defined and, and pigeonholed and labeled unjustly. Um, and and uh, Discussion of Truth has, has, has hosted a, a number of uh, former high-level CIA agents uh, that that have walked away from the organization basically for that reason. Um, and it's a major threat. Uh, Paul Craig, Craig Roberts was on the program over a year and a half ago. Saying, yeah, yeah, I know him. He's saying, saying, Ian, look, you know, as an American, you simply you you don't realize, but 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 Americans no longer have constitutional freedoms. So so, but but you you brought up something very important, and that is the freedom to be able to think and research and question anything you want, and that's called journalism. That's called freedom of press. Um, in your view, David, and and you can speak for you know being based in the UK. In your view, what is what is the number one? What is the, what is the number one? threat to that today is is it this kind of labeling that's kind of uh, kind of quickly quickly um uh, written out by the this you know big large conglomerate mass media organization like a bbc or like a cnn and and it's you know it's kind of it's kind of keeping keeping anybody that's questioning the narrative you know keeping them down and saying oh they're you know they're this or they're that or is that what it is or is there something else well, there's there's many levels of it. Um, I have a, a phrase: uh, know the outcome or the desired outcome, and you'll see the journey. And uh, what I've been doing over the last thirty years now, since I've been doing this full time, is uncovering basically where the world is being taken. And when you can ascertain where it's being taken, you can see the journey every day. So uh, and and this is across a massive range of subjects. This is why, um, you know, what was in my books in the 1990s is now playing out as changes in the world, because if you can uncover this agenda, unless something intervenes to stop it, it will play out. And in predicting how it's planned to play out, you can appear to be predicting the future because mm. suddenly they said, oh, you said that and it's happening. It's not because I'm predicting the future like some seer. It's because if you can uncover what the agenda is planned to uh, take, where it's take, planned yes. to take the world, then um, unless something intervenes to stop it, it's going to happen. And that that's the, the, the process. So in terms of freedom of speech, 
this is the outcome that they're going towards. And I, I, I can tell you after 30 years of research, this is uh, the way it is. Um, it's to create a situation ultimately where no one ever sees anything, particularly in the public domain, that the system in all its forms doesn't want you to see and hear. And uh, in, in other words, there is an official narrative for everything and no one is allowed to deviate from it. Now, if you are going to create a situation where that is possible, freedom of speech has to go, has to go. Because while people have the freedom of speech, they have the freedom to challenge the official narrative. So this is why freedom of speech is the new evil. And what we've seen, it's, it's a strange inversion that's happened in terms of freedom of speech, whereby I remember, you know, on the black and white telly in the 60s, seeing students at uh, Berkeley, for instance, um, going on marches demanding freedom of speech during the Vietnam protests, etc. Now we see so-called progressives at, at, at uh, places like Berkeley who go on protests demanding that freedom of speech is being taken uh, is taken away. And uh, there are in ever increasing excuses, if you look at it, for why people should be silenced. First of all, the, you know, the, 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 the crucial one is whether people are upset or not. So um, if we're going to uh, censor freedom of speech on the, set, uh, on the basis of it might upset someone, then all you have to do is get people upset about something and then you have an excuse to censor it. So the more people are upset with someone having the uh, or, or committing the crime of having a different opinion to them, the more excuses you suddenly have to um, to to censor. Then you have um, um, hate speech. Well, what the heck does that mean? Well, what it means is anything we choose to make it mean. And then you have fake news. Well, right. if, if fake news um, was supposed to lead to censorship, then CNN would be off the air. MSNBC would be off the air, wouldn't they? The BBC would be off the air, you know. But no, it's not. It's not fake news. This is the scam. Fake news means um, you are making the news up and telling people lies. The fake news that they are talking about is anyone that's challenging the official narrative. If it's not what the official narrative says, then it can't be true by definition. Thus, it's fake news. This is how it works. And what we have now, and this is all being planned. It's been in my books for years. We're having this process very clearly now of moving the communication of information from traditional media onto the Internet and particularly into the hands of a handful of Silicon Valley giants. And uh, through um, uh, information uh, being communicated on the Internet, you're now in the realms of algorithms where you can just with key words and key phrases, you can have AI censoring what people see and don't see. This has been long planned. And uh, so this explosion, this uh, absolute explosion, tidal wave of censorship uh when you challenge the official narrative is is all planned to create a situation where eventually people only see and hear what the authorities want you 
to see or hear. And this is where I'm coming from in terms of information. I believe that people should have the freedom to come to their own conclusions, to their own perceptions unique to them. And to have uh, that right, they need to have access to all possibilities and opinions from which to form their own opinions. Um, and, that, and where does perception come from? It comes from information received. It might be a personal experience information. It might be a newspaper article. It might be on your radio show. It might be on Facebook. But from information received, you form your perceptions. And from your perceptions come your behavior. Your behavior, what you, what you support, don't support, do or won't do, comes from your perception of that situation. And your perception comes from information you've received about that situation. And so if you control information, you control perception to a very large extent. And through that, you control behavior. So this whole censorship tidal wave that's going on now, um, Ian, is absolutely fundamental, not just to freedom of speech, but to freedom of humanity in its entirety, because everything comes from freedom of speech. For instance, if, if um, the pharmaceutical industry, the pharmaceutical cartel, wants to tell the world that vaccines are good for you, right. then they should have the right to do that, as long as they support it with evidence. Um, but equally, people who say, well, actually, we've looked at this and we don't think well, you're being told the truth about the effects of vaccines, that should also be heard. And then parents can say, well, I've looked at that and I've looked at that and these are the conclusions I've come to. But what we're seeing now is a situation where uh, people challenging uh, the official narrative about vaccines are being censored and shut down, right. uh, etc. And, and, and what is this denying? It's denying parents the right to hear all views and come to their conclusions. If all they hear, and this is just one example, I'm taking vaccines as an example. If all they hear is vaccines are good for your children and do no harm, they're going to overwhelmingly believe it and they're going to go uh, and, and have their children vaccinated. That's right. As we see in California, it's it's mandatory, right? It's it's one of the states that's made it mandatory for these kids to be vaccinated. Well, yes, and 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 the person that 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 led that campaign to make them mandatory is um, a uh, state senator called Dr. Richard Pan, who has taken money from the pharmaceutical industry. This has been well documented. But let's look at this. Um, the fact is, I'm fully enough. Uh, I'm just reading a book by an American doctor. Um, called uh, Vaccines a Reappraisal. It's absolutely devastating. Um, and he's coming from decades of experience as a family doctor. Um, and, um, you know, it, when you see the figures, and the figures are, are, are hidden, um, a, a very significant number of kids uh, die or are brain damaged or are, have their health um, uh, uh, damaged for life by vaccines. Yes, they may be a small number, but they, it happens. So what, 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 what mandatory vaccinations means is that a significant number of those who are not being vaccinated at the moment while they have choice, who will be vaccinated when it's mandatory, are being condemned 
to die to brain damage and to lifelong health problems. This is a, this is a statistical fact which is never talked about because um, the media, the, the pharmaceutical industry, government agencies are all, oh, it's not a problem. But it is a problem for a significant number of children. And this needs to be talked about so that parents have informed choice. And, and I mean, if the Nazis in Germany, Ian, had mandated vaccinations, people would have said, see, that's what Nazis do. They, they force people to, to, to be medicated. But that's what California are doing. That's what increasing numbers of American states are doing. And that's what the British government is talking about. Sorry about that, David. Okay. Yeah. All right. So continue. Did you finish your thought? Pardon me. All right. Hold on a second. Lost him there. Those in your own body or your children's body, then what freedom is buddy left? David, yep. what is, from a pharmaceutical, okay, profits, uh, obviously profit is, I mean, they, 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 these people are greedy, and, but if we get back, let's take, let's take Bayer, uh, you know, that's obviously got German roots, uh, it, it, what is, what is the, because we've addressed vaccines a number of times on this program, and like you're saying, you know, these kids are they're they're damaged for life. It's irreversible damage. Uh, and and now the, the you know these 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 different states uh are 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 controlling this. Uh parents don't have a say. Well, what is can we can we insert can can we insert a concept of eugenics into this scenario regarding the vaccines or or some type of well, uh, go ahead. Well, I mean if people just looked at what's in vaccines, they'd be staggered. You know, if you if you um, injected aluminium into your body, people would say you're insane. But many of these vaccines have aluminium in them. Um, and uh, they have um, uh, animal DNA. They have um, uh, uh, human DNA. Right. And, and, and what this the, what what has happened, uh, uh, Ian, and as this book and other books I've read by medical professionals have pointed out, is we now have, particularly in America, which is the most vaccinated country in the world, um, an explosion of autoimmune disease where the immune system is attacking its own body and attacking itself. Um, and uh, this is because these these um, uh, ingredients of vaccines, they um, attach themselves to the to, to the to the body, and and the because they're toxic, the immune system perceives them to be a threat, and it attacks them, and in doing so, it's attacking itself because so, some of the areas that these toxins attach to are the, are, are elements of the immune system, and the other thing about vaccines, as these doctors point out, is. Uh, because they are injected directly into the muscle, they uh, bypass the skin and the uh, gastric tract, which are fundamental parts of the immune system uh, uh, protection uh, network. So they bypass that and get into the body uh, through that by going directly into the muscle. And, and from that comes so many different uh different problems and and uh, you know this this whole um uh situation with what they call um 
uh, infant death syndrome, sudden infant death sy syndrome. You look at the figures at how many times these kids who are diagnosed with, uh, well, we don't know what happens, sudden uh, cot death syndrome, uh, died shortly after getting vaccines. I mean, think about it. You, you've just come out of the womb. You don't have an immune system. You've been operating on your mother's immune right. system up to this point, sure. And suddenly, wham, bang, you're hit by all these toxic vaccines in a very short period of time before your immune system's even developed. Of course, that's going to be uh, a, a, a massive uh, a problem uh, for, for the body to cope with. It's insane. And not only that, I know that um, uh, uh, JFK uh, Kennedy uh, Jr. Has, um, has been a real advocate of pointing all this stuff out. But what they also point out, including him, is there's something like 113 other vaccines in, in the shadows waiting to be introduced? I mean, you know, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, and um, and the, the consequences are hidden uh, uh, from public view. I mean, how many people in America know, Ian, that um, the American government has um, given prosecution immunity to the um, pharmaceutical industry Right. from lawsuits from damage from vaccines how many people know that yeah not many uh, and and also from the moment that that immunity of prosecution and lawsuits was enacted the number of vaccines suddenly exploded because these pharmaceutical giants have now got nothing to lose sure totally protected by the uh, totally by the, absolutely yeah um so so let's kind of peel the layer back and say Okay, why are the pharmaceutical companies doing this again? Is it is it is it is it just it's it's just profit, or is there is there is there something deeper here? Is there are they, are they are they able to? What's the what's the what's the real reason that 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 they want that control to be able to vaccinate? Well, I mean, I I think the. Um the way to explain the bigger picture is is this is what I've uncovered over the years. The, the human society is controlled basically by uh, the equivalent of a spider's web. At the center of the web, you've got the spider. That is really in the shadows. They're not people that you actually see in the public arena. Um, the strands of the web immediately around the spider are the most exclusive secret societies. Many of those don't even have names, so they're harder to uh, to track down. And then um, as you come out from the spider, uh, still in the hidden, you've got the secret societies that we do know about, like the inner core of the Freemasons, the Opus Dei, uh, uh, the Knights Templar, Knights of Malta, and so on. And then eventually you reach what I call the cusp in the web. And this is the point where the hidden part of the web meets the seen part of the web, which is human society. And at that cusp, you've got semi-secret organizations um, like the Council on Foreign Relations in America, the Trilateral Commission in America, um, the uh, Bilderberg Group, which is meeting in Switzerland uh, very shortly, uh, in fact, this week, um, and, and so on. And the Club of Rome, which was started in uh, 1968, and its job is to exploit environmental concerns to justify the transformation of human society. The whole global warming caused by humans has come to a large extent outside, out, out of the Club of Rome and its associated uh, network. Uh, and then you um, then enter the world of the scene. 
the world of the scene, the pharmaceutical industry, the um, the Internet giants of Silicon Valley, the banking system, the giant corporations of Amazon and, and, and uh, the oil corporations, etc. And, and we see decisions made in the world of the scene by those in, by those organizations, by governments and government agencies. And they appear to be random and they appear to be just happening. Right. You know, but when you break it all down and you get into the rabbit hole, the society changing decisions are being made by that spider at the center of the web. And it's playing out through the secret society network, through these cusp organizations and into the world of the scene. And um, these society changing decisions are not ha happening by accident, by, uh, by random chance. They are uh, happening by design. And that's why so many things in my books over the years are now happening because I uncovered what this agenda was and, and what the plan was. And thus you can predict the future because it's the plan playing out. Mm -hmm. And the, uh, the, the whole pharmaceutical industry, um, its role in this web is basically to undermine uh, human health, human vitality and uh, human psychology um, uh, through drugs and through vaccines. Um, and uh, so you have, I mean, for me, I'm uh, 67, I'm as healthy as hell. I'm being a doctor for, in living memory. I, I get treated by other people that understand how the body really works, and, and that's why it's so effective. Whereas if you look at um, the medical profession, it's just an appendage of the pharmaceutical industry. Right, right. Uh, because um, the treatments that um, mainstream medical doctors are allowed to give, right. never mind if they choose to or not, what they're allowed to give by the rules and regulations of their profession are all those things that make money for the pharmaceutical industry. Right. And, and, and when you um, look at the um, toxins in vaccines, for instance, which are going into children in ever burgeoning uh, amounts, they affect the DNA, they affect the mind, they affect the brain, they affect the psychology. You know, in this period of this vaccine explosion. We've had an explosion, not just of autoimmune disease, we've had an explosion of autism yes. and other brain uh, uh, problems that children have. If you look at America with its, with its, with its money, with its, uh, right. its society, it should have the, um, the healthiest children on earth, but it doesn't. It's way down the, the, um, the, 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 the league table of child health Ch children are getting sicker children right. are getting more and more uh, chronic diseases which they have over a long period of time and have to live with all in this period of this explosion of vaccines and and you know it's very simple if you are confident of your position not only do you not want to stop open debate, you welcome it because you know you'll win the debate That's because right. of the position you have. What is happening, and this is across the great swathe of subjects, vaccines being just one of them, is when they think they can't win the debate with open discourse and facts, they shut the debate down. So um, in, if you have an opinion that's uh, uh, different about vaccines, you must be shut down. You must be silenced. You must be demonized. If you have a different view about um, 
things going on in the world and happenings in the world that are not a part of the official narrative, then you must be called a racist or a bigot or a transphobe and all these uh, labels that get thrown out simply because you're saying, well, I have a slightly different opinion on that. Oh, by the way, can I ask a question? No, you can't, you bigot. This is what we're facing. And, and you know, the most insidious form of censorship, which destroys freedom of speech more than anything else, is self-censorship. And people are being increasingly intimidated into censoring themselves because they fear the consequences of speaking their opinion. It's crazy. It's it's all well on steroids, Ian. Well said, David. Very well said. And 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 and, and on on that note, uh, author of the color purple, Alice Walker, has uh, come out publicly in favor of many of your many of your stances. Yeah, she's an, a wonderful uh, human being. I, I met her and spent some hours with her um, in uh, California um, last year because um, I've got a film coming out uh, of my life and work. Um, it's available at davidite.com on June, June the 4th uh, called Renegade. And um, she um, was she was part of that film and we filmed a sequence with her. Um, and it's um, it's extraordinary. You know, I started out 30 years ago and I was considered the crazy man. Um, I was the, the the national nutter of the United Kingdom because this man's just crazy what he's saying. 30 years later, um, uh, the opposite is the case and uh, enormous numbers of people are looking at my work, stopping me in the street all over the world, wanting to talk about the information. There's a film coming out of, of my life by, with an American movie making company. Um, and, and it just shows that if you if you just keep walking and keep talking i don't you know run away and hide because people attack you then you can get somewhere because there is a (coughs) excuse me there is a an awakening going on now where more than ever before people are starting to question what they took for granted before and that's a great great um encouraging sign because um we need to take our perceptions back because we've given them away yeah, I, I began this program out of Miami over, over – it's been over two years now, uh, a, 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 a little over 100 episodes. And, and the, reason, the reason this began is because this local population was sprayed, including myself, with a, with a very controversial pesticide uh, known as, known as Dibrom. And I linked, I linked that back to the Chevron Chemical Corporation, and I also linked the Zika scare, which is why the, the, the pesticide was used, to – the same Rockefeller uh, organization. They have a patent on a product. But, but David, for a moment here, as we as we have, a, we, we wind down with a few more minutes left. Uh, I look at things on a on a, on a different on a on a broader broader spectrum. Uh, taken taken in, in, into in, in, into uh, example uh, the uh, the divide, which uh, which our neighbor to the south, Mexico, saw in in, in the 1920s, um, uh, and and the U.S. certainly. Um, uh, earlier than that, the divide of church and state. So you mentioned the Club of Rome. In your view, David, how much, how much, and I opened up the show talking about, talking about a little bit, of, a, a, a little bit of shining light on the Magna Carta and, and some of the different steps that, 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 that came to uh, the developed, uh, developed the, 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 the U.S. Constitution because I, I think there's morally, uh, uh, there, there's some wonderful, we've been talking about freedom of speech. That's one of the cornerstones of that, of that, of that document. 
But but on a brighter a brighter broader spectrum, we look at the separation of church and state and how valuable that is to give uh, people that freedom of of religion. How much again going back to the club of, club of Rome? How much, in your opinion, in your your view, your research, uh, your expertise? Uh, how much does the Vatican control that web that you speak of? Oh, it's it's a it's a massive um, strand in the web. Definitely. I mean, you know, when I was uh, mentioning some of the uh, secret societies earlier, well, um, the uh, Knights Templar uh, is connected to the uh, Roman Church. The Knights of Malta are connected to the Roman Church. The inner core of the Jesuit order, which is part of this web, is connected to the uh, Roman Church. Opus Dei is connected to the Roman Church. It's um, it's a massive web of um, of manipulation, and what what you have with the uh, the, the the Roman Church and, and re- religions in general is that the upper echelons tend to uh, fuse into the secret society network, and as you come down from that upper level of uh, the religious religion hierarchy. Then you come down into the followers of the religion who have no idea what the religion is really being used for. They're just um, believing the, uh, you know, the uh, the script and and following it and doing what the script tells them. But um, I've charted the history of the Roman Church, and it goes back to Babylon. You see, um, uh, this is a, a, an interesting kind of little story, uh, which explains so much actually takes us into America if we've got the time. Um, In Babylon, uh, which is the foundation of so much that has happened in the modern world in terms of manipulation, they they, um, worshipped a trinity of um, Nimrod, the father god, Ninus Tamus, the uh, virgin-born son, uh, uh, who uh, was said to be um, a reincarnation of Nimrod, hence father and son were one. And the third point of the Babylonian trinity was Queen Semiramis, the goddess. And um, when the um, Babylonian religion uh, relocated to Rome, which it did, it remanifested as Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Now, in the Christian trinity, the Holy Ghost is symbolized as a dove. In Babylon, the um, uh, that point of the Trinity, Queen Semiramis, the goddess, was symbolized as a dove. And what they said about Queen Semiramis in Babylon is that she was the uh, the queen of heaven, the mother of God. And, and these attributes were then given over to Mother Mary in the Roman version of the same story, the same uh, uh, myths. Now, this inner core, this spider core of this web of control, um, they uh, worship this religion and they put symbols of this religion um, all over the place. And um, when you break down the, uh, the real meaning, the Statue of Liberty is holding the torch of the illuminated ones, the Illuminati. The lighted torch is a, a, a major symbol of this uh, network, this web of control. And... Um, what they use is uh, the language of inversion. So what something means to the general population means the opposite, uh, the inverted opposite uh, to this web. So um, people would look at um, the Statue of Liberty and they would think freedom, symbol of freedom, symbol of liberty. But um, 
the Statue of Liberty was given to New York by French Freemasons in Paris that knew exactly what it really meant. It's the goddess of Babylon. And so to the um, to this web, this cabal, uh, it's an inversion of liberty. And on an island in the River Seine in Paris is an absolute mirror image, smaller, but a mirror image of the Statue of Liberty. Uh, and uh, uh, another uh, um, uh, point in uh, the, the symbolism is that um, one of their symbols, for various reasons, it's a symbol that represents an ancient god called Molech or, or Moloch, which is named in the Bible. It's a, 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 a demonic uh, deity which they used to um, uh, sacrifice children to. Well, they symbolize this as, um, as a, a, an owl. And so we have the Skull and Bones uh, uh, Society, uh, which, of course, is uh, one of the big uh, uh, um, secret societies in America that's produced presidents like the, the, the Bush presidents, etc. Yeah. Uh, and, and there is a whole network of secret societies in America that uses these, symbol, these symbols. And the, um, the owl symbol is very prevalent in an infamous place in Northern California called uh, Bohemian Grove. Uh, this is where the elite go to do their rituals and their uh, various uh, horrific things um, in, in, at a summer camp. And the focus of attention, the symbol uh, that they worship in this Bohemian Grove, is a 40-foot stone owl, which is Moloch. Moloch. It's this ancient um, deity to which they used to sacrifice children. Now, here's the point, and if, if people are watching this, Go on to Google Maps or go on to a map of uh, Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. um, look at the road system around the Capitol building uh, and you'll see that it is a very clear owl standing wow. on a pyramid and the um, Capitol building is in the belly of the owl. I talked about this the other day in, in, in some talk, uh, and, and there were some people that weren't into all this, and they said, oh, that's very strange, and they went on their phones, and they went through Google Maps, and they went, whoa, it's an owl. So th this symbolism is actually put all around us, and it, it, it means nothing to the general population, but it means something very significant to this, uh, to this cabal. And this is, you're saying it has roots through Rome and into into Babylon, but certainly... Oh, into Babylon, absolutely. It's certainly there are groups and organizations, you speak of these organizations that exist today, but are they families? Hence, is that why royalty still survives in the UK, for instance? Is yeah. A bloodline? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, you know, if you go deep in the rabbit hole, it gets really bizarre and really uh, far out. But um, basically, um, royalty appeared and aristocracy appeared all around the world because they believed um, their bloodline was special. They believed their bloodline was of the gods, um, not of God, but of the gods, which takes us into a whole new uh, and a whole new area of where all this actually came from. And then um, uh, royalty used to um, rule the roost um, based on, you know, genetic inheritance. 
And there came a point when eventually people started to rebel. We're not having that anymore. Well, I mean, we still have a head of state in Britain who's uh, bizarrely uh, that's uh, uh, done on royal bloodline, which is just extraordinary in, in 2019. But um, so what happened then is that these bloodlines that were for a long time overtly royal and overtly aristocratic, the blue bloods, they went underground. They they took off their coronets and they put on their business suits and um, they took over politics. They took over banking. They took over uh, corporations and governments. And um, but they still perceive themselves as royalty, as special bloodlines, and they still interbreed. I mean, you know, you look at the Eastern establishment families of the United States, they interbreed as much as any any royal uh, sure, uh, group do, yeah. because, because they're still um, trying to hold a genetic code, this is the point, by interbreeding. And if they breed outside of that code, that code is very quickly diluted. That's that why they don't want, quote, commoners being brought in and diluting the bloodline. I remember when Kate Middleton married Prince um, uh, William and she was described as a commoner. And uh, people said to me, see, they do have commoners um, uh, in the royal family. That's old Kate. Mm. Very shortly afterwards, it came out that Kate Middleton comes from the one of the one of the most uh, prestigious aristocratic families <laughs> bloodlines in in England. Yeah. So, you know, just because on the surface they don't seem to be royal. Well, that, that, that it's and, and it's all about genetics. They're obsessed with genetics. And holding this bloodline code that I that I that I mentioned, um, and uh, and it's the same with the dark suits, the the business suit level of this this bloodline. It's the same. The Rockefellers and 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 all these people, all these um, aristocratic, if not in fact in in name, in fact, uh, uh, Eastern establishment families. They're they're all interbreeding like crazy because this is particular code they don't want to lose. So. There's a couple different angles to take, and, and, and we've gone we've gone over time, but that's but that's okay. We've had on program it's David Serreta, and, and and David Serreta talks about the, the the pyramid in Giza, and it 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 it, it is equidistant to all seven continents on the planet in that sense it's it's at the center of the of the planet in that in that regard and he says it, it was a a crystal oscillator used for uh used for a, 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 a transportation um you bring up symbolism i.e the the statue of liberty and and and, and the owl and these different symbols if we if we if we can go the family the, the genetic route, there's definitely there's definitely that to take to take in, 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 into consideration and, and, and to observe. But then there's also we also kind of incorporate uh, dimensions. And, 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 and you began talking about the Isle of Wight and what white represents, and and and, and certainly uh, we've got a major percentage of the human population that believes believes in 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 in, in, in Jesus Christ and. And and if not, they believe in Muhammad or whatnot. But but they certainly believe that the uh, they, they believe in things that they can't see. Yeah. Uh, if we if uh, some of these symbols, let's say, are they speaking to beings that may be outside the dimension, which seems very difficult for a human being to say? Next week, we've got on Oxford University lecturer Dr. Young Hei Chi. 
And 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 Dr. Young, uh, Young Hay talks about alien visitations. I don't want to go too far out there, but again, again, he talks about alien visitations and the end of humanity. And he says that he says that there's an there's an active interbreeding of extra uh, extraterrestrials with human beings to kind of combat. And this is his he, he, this is his research to combat the the the, the coming destruction of the of, uh, of climate change. In your research, David, have you have you seen again? And not to go back to that communication because you hadn't you hadn't seen and I mentioned ghosts, but is there possibly a power or an energy? And 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 maybe you know maybe the the the, the Club of Rome simplifies it and says, uh, you know, good God, bad God. So you've got you know Jesus Christ and you've got the devil. But is there is there is there a control? Of a of an unseen energy that can be identified maybe to a a planet within our within our uh, within our, uh, our, our our system again it's getting over that mainstream mainstream push of kind of keeping people to think within a certain boundary it's 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 stepping outside that boundary yeah I mean I've I've written about this at enormous length um, in my books over the years. Um, if you uh, go to that spider I talked about, ultimately right. that that's not human, um, and uh, you're looking at a network um, within the world of the the human world, the world that we can see and we experience, right. that is representing that hidden power. Um, I mean, you know, this uh, manipulation, centralizing power and centralizing power more and more to the point now where a very few people run the world. Um, has been a process, and it's been a process of people being born, playing a part in pushing it forward, then dying, someone else takes over, push it forward further, then dies. So there had to be a force that uh, oversaw this whole thing, because people coming in and out, I mean, th- it's not going to coordinate itself that way. It has to, there has to be an overall... Right power that's actually orchestrating this uh and uh, i i've written about it at great length and but if people have a um a a a problem with with thinking that that's far out let's just look at some basic facts here Uh, when we look through our eyes um we are actually perceiving what we call the world a narrow band of frequency that is so narrow, it's unbelievable. Um, according to mainstream science, um, uh, the electromagnetic spectrum is about 0.005% of what exists in the universe. Visible light, which is the only frequency band that we can see, everything that we see and we call the world is within that band of frequency is a smear of the 0.005%. So almost the entirety of existence is beyond our visual reality. Uh, So when you see the extraordinary um, diversity of form, both among humans and among the animal and natural world, within a smear of 0.005% of the... um, of the universe, what the heck forms of life and diversity of life and form and everything exists in the entirety of 
reality and existence beyond the tiny band that we can see. It's, it's just, it's literally infinite, phenomenal. And you look at the night sky, and um, even though there seems to be a vast uh, heavens and all those lights, what you're looking at is a tiny fraction of the Milky Way galaxy. Right. And until the 1920s, science believed there was one galaxy, the Milky Way. The latest, highest estimate, less than 100 years later, of galaxies in the universe is two trillion. So I think we can put aside the fact that humanity is not the only form of life as we know it. Uh, something else to um, to point out is that according to um, mainstream science and their projection of the size of the universe, compared with that, planet Earth is the equivalent of a billionth of a pinhead. So the idea that human life is the only life that exists is is bordering off on, if not crossing the line of insanity. Uh, so the, the question is not, does life exist out there? Of course it does. It's, is it manipulating human society? Uh, or is some of it, not all of it, of course, is some of it manipulating human society? And after 30 years of full-time research, talking to insiders and, and ancient sure. uh, carriers of the knowledge over in ancient societies, endless different variety of sources, um, it's very clear that they are, and that this so-called um, 1% and the, the elite are actually representatives in our reality of this force, which is manipulating uh, human society to a particular end. You see, uh, this whole explosion of technology is not happening randomly. It's, it's a massive uh, uh, part of the end game of assimilating human uh, human uh, human consciousness um, in, into the control system. This is why you're having um, people like Ray Kurzweil at uh, Google um, saying openly that by 2030, um, human the human brain will start to be connected to artificial intelligence, and artificial intelligence will start to do human thinking. Uh, more and more until it, it's basically replaced human thinking and we become basically terminals, computer terminals on an AI internet. What he's describing, and I think knowingly, is the assimilation of human consciousness into into this 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 force that's been leading to this point for a very, very long time. Um, and this uh, whole explosion of technology is a trap. It's a prison. Right. First, exactly. you, um, first you first you get um, people uh, addicted to, to technology that they hold. Then you get technology on the body because where you want to go is in the body. So now we have this explosion of things that are connected to the Internet and AI that are on the body. And the, the, the final stage is to get in the body um, and in the brain. And uh, I spoke in um, uh, Sweden last year. And at that point, there's more now. 3,000 people have been microchipped in Sweden. Oh, my goodness. Wow. We've, ju we've just had the trade union organization in Britain and um, the employers organization in Britain come out just about two months or so ago saying they're very concerned at the number of companies that are uh, in the process of planning to microchip their workers. This was in my books in 1994, 93, 94. That, that, that the microchipping agenda was coming. 
Uh, because if you can uncover the projected agenda, you can predict the future because it's the agenda unfolding, like I said. So this whole um, AI, artificial intelligence, is actually a Trojan horse to replace um, human consciousness. <laughs> I mean, it sounds far out. Of course it does. And it is because it's crazy, but it's happening. And this is this is this is what it's all about. This is why AI is taking over everything. Well, mandatory vaccines lead to mandatory microchip. I, well, I'll tell you a story. Um, this goes back to 1996. And I was in America um, going from place to place, talking to next to nobody in those days. And um, I was introduced at his um, his prompting to a CIA scientist who lived in California. And I was invited to his home. And I went along and he told me, uh, well, I'll tell you a story first uh, before he told me this. Um, he was telling me how he was being forced by the CIA <clears throat> to do things that he didn't want to do. What's the name I of this person, David? Sorry. I, I can't say the name of the guy for, for his sake, um, but it, he's a CIA, he was a CIA scientist. And I said to him, well, why, why do you do it? Why, why, why do you? you um uh why do you do what they tell you and he started to open his shirt and he opened his shirt and on his chest was like a see-through shampoo sachet only smaller and inside of it was an orangey gold liquid and he said this is why i have to do it and he told me the story and i've heard this from one other person a cia person since but um he said that um when he joined the CIA, he thought he was serving his country. He was a scientist. And then he realized that actually he was being asked to um, take part in this whole control mechanism. And so he resisted. He said, I'm not doing it. Um, I'm, I, I don't want to know about this. And he said um, he left his home one day shortly after this conversation. And then he remembers nothing. Um, until he woke up on uh, like a medical type bench in a room and he realized there was something on his chest and he opened his shirt, looked on his chest and this thing was on his chest. And he explained to me, he said, um, what they do is they make your body dependent on this drug and the drug has to be replaced every 72 hours or you start to die a very unpleasant death. He said, I know that because I, 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 I basically said, stick it anyway. And they didn't replace it. And, and I went into a very uh, unpleasant state of ill health, to say the least. And, and they replaced the, the, the drug and he recovered. And, and he's been, uh, at that time anyway, he was working for them. He had a family, he had kids. Bizarrely, they're all around him while he's telling me. And... Um, and and therefore he was locked into this bind of of literally do or die and that night he said to me and this is long before nanotechnology was ever mentioned he said you know in the in the secret projects there are there are microchips that are so small they are inserted in hypodermic needles in vaccination programs uh, and this was 1996. And uh, you think, what? Microchips coming out of uh, hypodermic needles. And then what came 
as the years passed was the revelation, which was well known long before, of nanotechnology. So, see, once you can put something in someone's body and, uh, and, and press it to enter the body, who the heck knows what's really in there? Right. Very, very few people have to know for that to happen. I mean, the people are told, OK, uh, it's a vaccination program, so vaccinate these people. So people, doctors and nurses are vaccinating people thinking they're doing them benefit. They don't know what's in the vaccine or what, or, 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 uh, what its effect might be. They're clueless. And, and this compartmentalization where only a few at the top need to know what's going on and everyone else is compartmentalized from that knowledge is how the whole thing works. David, in the United States, things seem to have changed when Woodrow Wilson signed the Federal Reserve Act. In my view, John F. Kennedy, who seemed to be praised bipartisanly, he seemed to be praised by, by, by any American, regardless of political party, party on the majority, had had he his life been preserved, do you think that would have slowed down this agenda or taken it a different way? And if so, what way would it have taken it? Well, I think if um, if what he said was genuine, and I think there are some indications that it was, then I do think he would have taken um, America in a different direction. But. Uh, you look at um, presidents that get in the way and they invariably don't last very long. They're brought down by whatever, including assassination. Uh, and if you look at uh, Woodrow Wilson, um, he was controlled by a couple of people called Edward Mandel House and uh, a guy called Bernard Baruch, who were um, agents of the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers. And uh, the Federal Reserve was an absolute Rockefeller uh, um, yeah. Rothschild scam right. to take over the American economy. Um, and a lot of Americans would believe, because that's what's kind of the image they get, that the Federal Reserve is a government agency. It's not. It's a private organization. Right. Uh, and what it's, um, uh, what it's done is take control of the American economy and make an absolute fortune by um, lending the government money. It's, it's, it's absolute madness. Uh, and uh, so um, the Federal Reserve was uh, manipulated into place, and the American economy has been in ever-increasing uh, levels of debt ever since. Right. And Wilson was a complete puppet. He, he was just a, a, a gopher for those two fellas who were gophers for others like the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers. And um, then you look at uh, you look at Kennedy. He was getting in the way. So they got rid of him. I mean, you know, the, the this whole um, discrediting term that they use conspiracy theorist and conspiracy theory. That actually came into widespread use because of the CIA. Uh, the documents exist. You can read them. They contacted major media organizations in the 1960s, urging them to use the terms conspiracy theory and conspiracy theorists to discredit those people 
that uh, bizarrely, I, they must have been crazy, bizarrely didn't believe that a single bullet went through several people changing uh, uh, crazy angles um, to explain the Kennedy assassination. They didn't understand why a bullet that was apparently shot from behind actually hit the president in the forehead. Um, crazy people, you know, um, and um, they needed to be discredited. So uh, conspiracy theorist and conspiracy theory came into widespread use because of that. And of course, people are still using that um, to um, try to discredit people like me and anyone else who's questioning the official narrative. And the other thing about the Kennedy uh, assassination is they wanted the Vietnam War for a number of reasons, not least in massive levels of drug running in, in Southeast Asia. And um, and so he was he was he was going to pull out. He, he didn't want it. And so the, the, when when they assassinated him, in came uh, Lyndon Johnson, who immediately um, uh, exacerbated and expanded it into what became the Vietnam War through something called the Gulf of Tonkin incident, which was a total lie, um, which has now been, you know, well documented to have been a lie. So, you know, we're looking at this tidal wave of deceit that we are subjected to, and the deceit is uh, targeting our perceptions to try to get us to see the world in ways that will accept the world they want to impose upon us. We need to take our perceptions back and start questioning things and not just accepting them just because some guy uh, in government or wherever tells us it's true. Invariably, it's not. Right. David, we, we've got to wind down. But for listeners, you've given you've given a lot for for them to think about. Geographically, that's 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 the world that we know. Maybe not physically, but but geographically. Are you able to pinpoint on the globe any one area that can funnel down to being the spider of this web? Well, London is a massive center. Not that not the British government, no, no, the center of this secret society web, London and Rome and uh, now Berlin are massive centers for this web. Of course, the United States, but um, a lot of what the United States does in terms of, if you like, shooting the bullets, the bullets have been loaded and the gun has been targeted in um places like uh, London, Secret Society London, Secret Society uh, Rome, Berlin, etc. Again, not Merkel, the Secret Society level of, of, of uh, Germany. And also um, Israel is a massive center for, for this manipulation as well. Um, and um, this is why you get all this um, use of American troops to um, go and uh, kill and be killed. Right in wars that benefit no one except Israel, you know. And um, what's happening is that um, there has now been a ramping up of this whole, what I call anti-Semitism industry and a protection racket, which is not there to protect Jewish people from 
discrimination. It's there to protect the far-right government in Israel from legitimate criticism and exposure. Therefore, they've now redefined anti-Semitism as criticism of Israel, not for the benefit of Jewish people. They couldn't give a damn about Jewish people any more than the cabal in America could give a damn about American people. But it's a protection racket uh, to stop criticism of, of, of Israel. And um, so there are a number of centers, but they are, they, are, they are the main ones, I think. But other parts of the world that are also involved in this, but they are key ones in the Western world. And if we and if we if we layer back, we we take those centers geographically that certainly control uh, the overwhelmingly majority from from a from a uh, to use this term a layman's uh, view uh, of the of the global economy. If we layer back and we take into consideration what you have said about uh, the links to Babylon, where else are we then led? Uh, and also couple into the uh, and together uh, together the, uh, uh, the 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 uh, electronic matrix, uh, i.e. the microchips and the, the artificial intelligence. Are we able to are we able to thread uh, maybe CERN or 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 or, or, or any oh, other? CERN. Yeah. CERN's, CERN's massively important. Um, you see, um, the the Earth has a, a magnetic field, electromagnetic field. And we're interacting with that all the time. You know, we, we, we are, uh, on one level, are electromagnetic information fields, what some people call the auric field. And at that level, we are interacting with the Earth's energetic field uh, and other levels of, of, um, of reality as well. But, but let's keep it at that level. So anything that impacts upon the Earth's um, energetic field impacts upon us. It's like we, we are fish swimming in that sea. And if you want to affect all the fish at the same time, you don't affect the fish, you affect the sea because they're all swimming in it. And things like CERN, as well as this explosion of technologically generated radiation, millions of times greater than it was at the turn of the, the, 20, of the uh, 20th century, um, is fundamentally affecting the human energetic field and thus it's affecting human psychology and human health. Uh, and when they bring in this 5G, which is a, a massive ramping up of this um, impact on human psychology and human health from technological frequencies, um, you're going to see um, uh, catastrophic, um, eventually, um, manifestations of that. And this is why they are introducing 5G without, as they admitted on Capitol Hill just a few weeks ago, the telecommunications industry, without any official um, independent studies into its uh, psychological and physical health on humanity. But at the spider level and that, that which interacts with the spider, they know exactly what the effect is going to be. And they're introducing it because of that effect. Um, you know, the brain um, processes information electrically and the brain operates within a certain band of frequency. If you can um, impact upon the brain with technological frequencies within its frequency band of operation, you, you, you disturb the uh, information processing of the brain. And we call this psychological problems and we call it Alzheimer's and we call it uh, um, dementia, etc. And this is why there's been in this technological period and also in the vaccine period, this explosion of um, 
of dementia and uh, and uh, Alzheimer's. Uh, and, and, you know, they say, oh, we don't know why it's happening. Uh, well, uh, uh, just look at cause and effect. This happened at this time and that's when it exactly. started. Yeah. So, so you have um, a, a study in Britain saying that uh, there's been this massive rise in brain tumors in children. And they're saying, well, they don't know why it is. And you're like, um, they're happening around the ear, right? Well, yeah. Well, I think I, th I think I've got a good idea what's causing them then. Um, and, and, and but but to to say it's happening, they have to to an extent say it's happening because it's it's happening. But they say they don't know why it's happening, because to say why it's happening is to is to uh, challenge the whole um, ethos and uh, and and, re uh, you know, reason for for this uh, technological stuff uh, uh, being used, uh, not least by children, um, because. You know, they have a thing uh, testing mobile phones called Sam Phantom Head, and it's literally a, a mock-up head, and it's based on the skull of an American soldier, right? Mm -hmm. And they have thick skulls. I'm not having a go at them, but adults have thick <laughs> skulls. Children don't. Right. And they test the safety of mobile phones on the basis of a mock-up of a thick skulled adult man and these um, tele telecommunications companies push their, uh, their, their their frequency impact up to the limits of that Sam Phantom head but that is way above the limit that harms children that have thin skulls uh, and so they know exactly why it's being caused, but they won't tell you because that will put mobile phones and the way they operate um, under the spotlight. And they don't want that because it's part of the agenda that they, they exist. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. David Ike, David, some final words and parting words for listeners and what they might be able to look forward to in Renegade. Well, what happened is that um, I was approached by an American uh, movie making company, not because they supported what I'm what I'm doing, but because they thought my story would make a great film. And um, and so they f followed me around fly on the wall for uh, much of a year. We went to four countries, America, both coasts, Croatia, Britain, Ireland, uh, uh, etc. And um, they edited it. I, I had nothing to do with it. And what's what's come out is is uh, I think uh, I think amazing. It's not just a story of my life. That's just the backbone. The real meat of it is the information that's in the film about all these things we're talking about and and, and other things as well. And uh, in the premieres, um, it's blown people away. It's been incredible. And the the best part of it is that where people who are kind of into my information have taken friends along who don't know anything about it those friends have been massively impacted by hey this makes sense of the world so um i'm i'm hoping it will have a, a a big impact in getting people to to realize that what we're being told by officialdom is not necessarily the truth and it's available in uh on um june the 4th just a few days from now via davidike.com how, how you can get it will all be there and um I've also just finished a book, which is coming out in um, in September. In fact, on September the 11th, which is um, 
demolishes the official story of 9-11 and lay, lays out who actually did it. And it wasn't 19 hijackers. And the uncovering of that uh, whole 9-11 story um, uncovers the greater picture of, of what's happening in the world. The book is called The Trigger because 9-11 was the trigger for so much that has followed. Without 9-11, that wouldn't have happened. Beautifully said, David. Beautifully said. Thank you for joining Winwood Radio and discussing your truth. We look forward to inviting you back on the program. Pleasure, Ian. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, David Icke. And like he said, check out his movie in just a few days available on his Website, I'll be right back with some closing comments. This is Windward Radio to turn into Discussion Your Truth. I am Ian Hamilton Trache, your weekly host, 5 p.m. Wednesdays. technologically are we going to see um so my question really is are we going to see crazy things on stage eventually like a theremin or a reactable or like just a custom instrument just for tan lines one day um i have to say that i think if anything that that's definitely true because we started with just sitting in front two guys sitting in front of the computer you know i feel like if anything we've pushed ourselves in the direction away from technology and we're trying to come and we have pushed ourselves to go back more to the human elements of the music um i think that they're in the future and it's certainly i think the way that music technology has been evolving has been trying to incorporate more improvisation and natural elements into it to break it out of the grid like you know pr problem of uh music Ableton is a great example, mm -hmm. and all of the products surrounding Ableton are about using it as an instrument in the traditional sense, flaws and all. I would love to find a way to incorporate that direction more seamlessly into what we do, but um, yeah. Okay, cool. So it's good to hear that you guys are going to bring more of an organic feel as you guys grow, because um, it's one of the now things this that conjunction of an immense military establishment and a large arms industry is new in the American experience. The total influence, economic, political, even spiritual, is felt in every city, every state house, every office of the federal government. We recognize the imperative need for this development, yet we must not fail to comprehend its grave implications. Our toil, resources, and livelihood are all involved. So it Putting things into perspective, Dwight Eisenhower, David Icke sums things up in 30 years of intense research on his part 
as to what we're looking at here in 2019. Follow his trails, follow his advice, follow his he'd watch his movie, read his books. He's been at discovering the truth and seeking it out and researching it for many years. Again, if this is the first time tuning in to my weekly program, I started this as an invitation, really, as a result of my research into the Dibrom spraying, also known as Nalid, to combat the so-called Zika virus. Well, the U.S. did a real good job of squelching the spread of that, didn't they? And where is it now in Recife, Brazil? Zika, by all known contacts, is benign. That's in my research with experts in the field. You can read that article published at honeycolony.com by simply typing into your browser, bit.ly, that's a short link, bit.ly, slash Zika, capital Z-I-K-A, all capitals, Miami Beach, capital M-M-B. You can find that on my website, ianchrachia.com. And that information will resonate with you in regards to the words that David just spoke. I thank you for tuning in. StopMassMedia.com, ImpeachMassMedia.com, either one of those. Donate to the program. Buy a t-shirt. Spread the word of truth. Question authority. That's really my bottom line. Take them to task. Those that are setting the laws to shape your way of life, question them. Make your own laws. Write them. Push, 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 folks. We're in a changing world, and your rights, depending upon where you live on this globe, are being incredibly infringed upon. And until next week, again, I am your host, Ian Trottier. This is Discussions of Truth. Be awesome.